we get to start today, um, as I said, our Christmas series, and um, we decided to call this one, Come Let Us Adore Him, and uh, really get back to the essence of Christmas. I think there's a lot of great tradition, a lot of good things that are out there uh, for Christmas, um, but I think oftentimes we get so caught up in the celebration, it's easy to do, and especially when we live in a culture that oftentimes they have no concept of what Christmas is even about. And so let's take a few weeks and prepare ourselves and our hearts to really celebrate uh, really the meaning behind Christmas. And there's that old Christmas hymn that we sing, Oh, come let us adore him. And, and uh, I think that it, that really hits it on the head. And so that's what we'll be spending the next three weeks on. Our memory verse for today kind of focuses on that very first part, the O come portion. And it's what it says. This is from Isaiah and uh, chapter 7. And... Uh, this is an amazing verse. It was written over seven centuries before Jesus came and uh, written through the prophet Isaiah. And it was written at a time when Jerusalem was under siege and it looked like everything was going to, Israel was going to end and God's promises were going to go void because he promised to, to give them a throne that would last forever and, and, and save the world, all this kind of through that. And Jerusalem was now surrounded and land was pretty much conquered and it was pretty much hopeless and darkness was surrounding them and and God sends the prophet Isaiah in to go talk to the king and says ask God for a sign just to show him that he's going to deliver you and the king's like I couldn't possibly do that and then the prophet's like well you're a moron if you don't ask for one God's going to give you one and he says this behold a virgin will conceive and she's going to give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel which means God with us now the original fulfillment was God delivered the city of Jerusalem within less than nine months, which was amazing. But that promise continued, continued, and we waited and waited for God to come with us, and then he came. And so today we get to memorize this amazing passage because it talks about incredible truth, about the joy, that the celebration that we get to celebrate behind Christmas. And today we're going to talk about Ocom. You know, at Christmas time, um, it's how we celebrate in our culture. Oftentimes, there's a lot of gatherings. And if you've had like office parties or people come over to each other's houses or maybe you're going to a concert or things, it seems to be a time of the year that we tend to gather. And, uh, and that's what we do typically with celebrations, right? We, we come together and we celebrate. And I think when we come to Christmas, it's even more special. Because it's not just gathering with other people. We get to celebrate the fact that God has gathered with us. And so I think we really begin there. Because if we miss this important point, I think Christmas really loses its magic, right? Over you to say its, it's emphasis. It, it's, it just becomes another one of those traditions. But if we go back to the fact of, of really what's behind our Christmas. What are we really celebrating? There is an amazing joy in that. So we're going to talk about that today. And I think in order to understand this, to get its full impact, we really have to take a step back and say, why is that such great news? And if we realize that we go all the way back to creation, right? When we were made, humans were made for relationship with God. I mean, that's just what's in our design. That's how God made us. He designed this whole world, sets us in charge of it, says, take care of this for me. And then he's Walks around, has talks in the garden with, with Adam and Eve. You know, they're chatting away. They're, they're, they have relationship. And that's the way it was always meant to be. We were designed for relationship with our Creator. He wants that. It's part of our, our DNA. It's part of our soul's DNA. 
And I think that's why, whether you are here or if you are in sub-Saharan Africa or in South America or you are in Asia or you in the Middle East, people are religious. Right? I think we're religious because there is something deep inside of us that knows that we were made for relationship with the Almighty. We long for it. That's what, that's what we want to have. Unfortunately, we also know there's a separation between us and God. We intrinsically know this as humans. That's why there's all kinds of different religions, right? It doesn't take a theologian to tell you that you're not walking real close with God. That humanity has this separation between us and Him. That's why wherever you go, wherever in the world you go, there are all kinds of religions, all kinds of ideas, all kinds of practices of trying to bridge that gap to get close to God. But you know, God told us through the prophet why there's a separation. We don't have to guess. That same prophet, Isaiah, seven centuries before Jesus, pens in an amazing way. It says, your sins have cut you off from God. It's because of your sins that he has turned away and will not listen to you anymore. There is a reason we are separated from God, and it's not that God is absent. The deists have it wrong. God didn't just create an amazing universe and then walk away from it like an absentee father. He is holy and he is righteous, and we have rejected him. We have waged war against the Almighty, and he has given us the free will to do so, but our sins have separated us. There is a gap now between where God is and, and and where we are. And we sense that longing, don't we? That tension. It leads to hopelessness for a lot of people, doesn't it? When they feel that God is far off and there remains no hope in life. There's no purpose, no meaning, no power. There is a reason why people do such crazy things in the name of faith. They try to bridge this gap because there is a gap that is there, but the gap is there not because of God, but because of us. We, the created, have caused a separation. And that's one of the deepest theological truths I think you will ever find. It's universally known. It's known in all people, all throughout the world. You don't have to go to seminary. Other religions even know this. That's why they have all their rules. You know, if you go to a lot of other places of worship for other faiths, they even have sacred spaces, right? Holy places where you're supposed to be closer to God and only certain people can get there, right? You're not allowed to be there. They know there's a separation. But they didn't come up with this idea. It's just in our soul and it's represented. It's even, it's even fleshed out for us. And, and we see even how humanity has operated throughout time and how God has, has reached into humanity's life, there's always been the separation. Let's talk about the Garden of Eden, right? We were, had fellowship with God, but then we sinned. There was a separation between us and God, and God put a flaming sword to keep humanity out of the Garden. We were no longer holy. We were no longer worthy of relationship with Him. We had rebelled against God and, and we were cast out and there was a barrier, a very real physical barrier, a flaming sword which would keep most of us out, standing between us and God. You can't cross it. And we look later on in, 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 in the history of the Bible, you see, 
when God revealed himself and he, he, he frees the, the slaves, the, the Israelites from Egypt, and he sets them on their path to get to the promised land, he brings them the law, and he, he brings them this amazing mountain, Mount Sinai, to give them the law. He separates, even then, there was a separation between the people and God. There, there were massive stones that were set about the mountain. If anyone, even an animal, should cross those things, they were put to death. And God even tried to speak to the people from, them, from there, and it freaked them out. And they said, don't even talk to us. You freak us out. And so they sent Moses. There was a very real separation there. And I think even in that was one of the closest times we had proximity between humans and God for thousands of years. And even then, you couldn't approach him. In fact, at that time, God gave Moses plan for how God could be with his people and travel with his people. They made this thing called a tabernacle. This is an awesome tent that God could go and move with his people. But even the tabernacle had a gate around the outside. Everything on the outside was not sacred, but on the inside was sacred. And you could only enter if you were the right kind of person with the right kind of offering. And that was just the outer gate. And then if you were a priest, you could go on the inside. And, and if, with the right kind of offerings, you might be able to go into the holy space. If you were not just a Levite, but a, but a priest in lineage of Aaron, a certain one that God said you could do this, you could go into this holy space and you could, you could bring offerings there. But even that wasn't where God was at. He was in the back room. He was in the most holy space. And that's where his glory and his, his presence resided amongst his people in this most holy place. And only one man once a year could enter there. And only that time he had to bring blood for himself and for the sins of all people. If he didn't do it right, he would die. They'd tie a little rope around his ankle. So if they stopped hearing the bells jingling around him, they knew he wasn't right. And then they would just drag his dead body out. Right? I mean, it was a big deal to be in the presence of God. There was a separation. Even when God came amongst the people, there, there was still a separation. And you know, and the separation continued. The people eventually, God allowed them to, to, to go into the promised land. They set up camp. We have David is there, and he's upset that God's still staying in a tent while he has a nice house. And so we're going to build a, a, a better place for him or build a temple. And God allows his son Solomon to finish this temple. And we see even in the temple, the separation continues. In the temple, there was a courtyard that certain people could go. The Gentiles could go to a certain level if they were believing enough. And then the Jews, and then the women, and then the men, and then different priests, then the priests of, of Aaron, and, and then the high priest still. There was the Holy of Holies in the back. And the priest could only go there once a year with blood. There was a separation of veil. In fact, a very thick veil that was woven that was about this thick that stood between humanity and a holy God. To be in the presence of God was no small thing. There was a separation between humanity and God. You know, it wasn't just here in this world there's a separation. The prophets Ezekiel and Daniel and even John later on had visions, had, go, had an opportunity to see God in the heavens. And their descriptions of God's throne in the heavens is mind-boggling. But you'll notice there's a, there's a feature there that's, that's there. It's, it's a glassy sea that surrounds him. Which means it's glassy, it's smooth. Nothing penetrates it, nothing comes across it. He is inapproachable in his holiness, even there. 
The angels who are around his throne cover their eyes and fly so they don't even touch their feet on his holy ground. Our God is a holy God and he is holy other and separate. And there is a separation between us that is too big for us to span. And it has a lot to do with our depravity, with our own personal rebellion. But it also has to do with his holiness. That he's amazing and perfect and beyond compare. I mean, he's infinite in his power and his wisdom and his goodness and his righteousness. He is different than anything else. Our God is not a trivial God. He's not a small thing. He's not inconsequential. He's, he's, not, just, he's not just a life choice. He's God Almighty. And there is a separation between humanity and our Creator. And we feel it. And here's the thing is we try to bridge that gap by doing all kinds of things, right? We try to be good enough. We say, if I'm, if I'm just better, if I stop sinning, then I'll be better. And if I do enough good things, then I'll have the, I'll have the right to walk in and have fellowship with this Almighty God. How ridiculous is that? We try to give sacrifices, give of whatever we have to think that we can buy God off and say, if I give him enough, I'm going to impress this God who owns everything (laughs) so that somehow he's just going to give me access. He's wealthier than anything we can ever give. He doesn't need us. We can't buy our way into his good graces. I mean, there really is nothing we can do to earn God's favor. And if you think about it, it makes a whole lot of sense. Think about you are a citizen of the United States. You were designed by this government to fulfill its laws, to be law-abiding. You abide by all the laws, that's great. But if you break a law, say you decide you don't like me and you just walk up here and you, and you kill me this morning. Right? But the rest of the time, you are like the most perfect law-abider ever. You're still a murderer. And let's say 30 years down the line, you're still obeying all of the laws. Do all of the times you obey the law, does that erase the fact that you murdered me? No. There's nothing, there's no good works you can do. You can't obey enough to undo the fact that you have violated a law. We can't be good enough to earn our way back to God. We have each sinned. Every one of us. It tells us that in Scripture, but Scripture doesn't need to tell us that. We all know that we mess up. Who here is not lied? Because if you raise your hand, we're all going to be like, you lied. (laughs) Right? We've all done bad things. We've all lived selfishly. I mean, we are doubly removed. We are removed because God is so much more holy than we are. And we are removed because we we are so depraved. And look at the state of the world. Humans have done this. We're the ones that murder each other and kill each other and cause wars and, and, and do all these bad things. That's not the work of God. That's our work. That's the work of humanity. What are we going to do? We were designed for a relationship with God. He made us with that need, with that longing in our very souls. But we can't bridge this gap. We are completely unable to approach God. On our own. Well, it's at that point that we see that God did something amazing. We can't come to God, so 
God came to us. That's the amazing thing of Christmas, isn't it? That when we were so lost in our darkness, the light of the world came for us. The words of the prophet, I think, ring with, with an amazing hope and clarity for our souls. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God came. He came to you and me. And you know what? It wasn't just Isaiah 14 that you'll find that in. That's also, that passage is in Matthew 1.23, the new covenant. God didn't want us to miss the fact that He fulfills His own, His own prophecies, that He takes care of His own people, that God came to us. He has come. In fact, we read in Luke 2, the, the amazing Christmas story. It talks about, it talks about Mary and Joseph, how they go and, and they go to, to Bethlehem because they have to because of a, a crazy law. And they get there and it's too busy and there's no room for them to stay in the inn. So they go and they stay out back in where, the, where the shepherds are and this where, where the animals are. And that's where they stay, in a barn. And that's where God Almighty, who sits on that glorious throne, enters the world. And right after that in Luke 2, it says that, that night, that very night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding flocks of sheep. And suddenly... An angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified, no doubt. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. What an amazing thing. God came. And he even sends his angels not to say, stay away, but to say, come. And he doesn't just send his angels to the religious and the priests and the prophets. He sends them to the lowly shepherds. He says, come. Come here. God wants relationship. He has come for us. And this is good news. This is amazing news. And then the angels, these mighty army of angels that could have protected God in His holiness, instead of keeping the, the shepherds away and saying, you're not good enough, what they did is they started singing. An army of angels filled the sky and praised God and said, this is amazing and God's, God's pleasure is upon you people. This is good. Go! And so the shepherds, when the angels stopped and they went away and they were like, oh, it says when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened. The Lord has talked to us about. They went. You see, there was an invitation back to God, right? We were separated, but now God has come and he says, come back. I want a relationship. And the shepherds weren't stupid. They said, let's go. And the shepherds went. And the wise men went. And kings decided to come as long as well. And slaves came. And fishermen ultimately came. And carpenters and tax collectors. And men came. And women came. And rich came. And old came. And poor. And the young. 
And, and those that thought they were righteous came and those that knew they were sinners came. And people from all over the world have come from every tribe and nation and language and time. People like you and me. We get to come. To come back to God. See, Christmas is a celebration that God has come for us. It is the best celebration of Christmas then is to come back to God. You know, the wise men came. The shepherds answered that call. They came. I think the real question for us this morning then is, will you? As we wrap this service up this morning, as we move then into the rest of the Christmas season. I have some challenge and things that maybe we can do to come back to God. If you would take your, your connection cards out. Some ways I think this season to set our hearts and our minds and our spirits and our actions in tune with who God is and to come back to Him. Now one of the things that we can do is, oh actually, that's, that's, don't memorize Isaiah 60, 30. Actually, that's a great verse if you want to memorize that. Go ahead and do it. That's a really cool one. But memorize 7, uh, 14 um, this week. Remember that the virgin conceived. She bore a son and called him Emmanuel, which is God with us. Maybe that's what you need to remember this, this Christmas season. Is you're not alone. That, that gap between you and God has been crossed and it wasn't you that crossed it, it was Him because He loves you so much. Maybe in the midst of all the hurriness and the stress and maybe even the loneliness or despair that you might be feeling to know that God is with us now. Maybe as we turn on the news and we see the darkness and the hopelessness and the pain and the fear of this world, you can remember God is with us. He has overcome. Maybe this is the joy that you've been looking for. It is Christ. And so maybe that's what you need to start with this week. Don't just memorize the verse, but think about it. Own it. Maybe that's where you begin. Or how about this? Maybe as a family, you read the Christmas story. What a great way to start the season. Just to remind, I know you may have heard it lots of times, but could it ever get old? Can it ever get old how much God loves you? What he did to come here for us? The fact that this is real and not some kind of fairy tale that God really came and this is what it really looks like. This is how dedicated God is. Maybe you start by going back to the beginning and you read the Christmas story. Read it together. Or maybe for you, maybe what you need to do is just to come to Jesus. Maybe there's never been a time in your life where you've come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That you know there's been this separation between you and God and you be, you're here this morning even you think, well, I'm, I'm trying. It's time to stop trying and just to accept what He's done for you. Maybe that's what you need to do and say, I want to have a relationship with this God. I want that kind of peace. I want God to be not just in this world. I want God to be with me. If that's you, then let me know. Give me print so I can follow up with you. I'll meet with you. We'll talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to have a relationship with this God? How did that relationship start? We will talk about that. Answer your questions and begin that incredible walk. We're going to the perfect way to celebrate Christmas.
is to receive the gift that God gave us in Christ. But maybe you've already received that gift. But like most of us, all of us, we all wander from time to time, don't we? There are times when we come back to God and then we fall away in our weakness. You know that God's offer always stands. He wants us to have a deeper, more abiding relationship. Maybe for you, if you're feeling that separation, you've been wandering. Maybe your decision is saying, I'm going to need to come back to God. I'm going to return to Jesus. Not just as a, 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 a thing that I do on Sundays or once in a while. But I'm going to come back to Him. I'm bringing Him my whole heart, my life. I want to come back to Him. I want relationship and my hope and my peace to be in Christ. God moved heaven and earth to come to you. Maybe you say, you know what? It's time for me to repent and to give up these things that have been taking me away from God and to turn back to Him. That's an incredible way to begin celebrating this season, preparing your heart for that. If that's you, make sure you connect. That you make that commitment. And what that looks like oftentimes is not just feeling bad for the things we've done, but to say, okay, I'm going to say no to those things. I'm going to replace them, right, with spending more time with God, with prayer, with, with uh, connecting with his family, with, uh, with actually doing good things instead of the things that were bad, replacing them. And you're not going to do it perfect, but it's making that commitment to say, I'm going to be returning to God. If you need some help with that, let me know. Maybe there's something else. Maybe there's Christmas season. Maybe God is telling you this morning there's something different that he wants you to commit to. Whatever that is, then make sure you write it down because I will be praying for you. If there's a way that I can support you, I will be doing it. Um, that's something we'd love to do for you here as, as well. Maybe there's a different commitment that you need to make. Let us know. Maybe there's just a prayer request. Maybe the fact that God is with us gives you the boldness to ask for his help. And there's something that you're struggling with right now. And you say, you know what? I really need, I, I could really use God's help right here. Let us know. We'll join you in prayer this week because God is with us. And it is amazing. And he's active. And he does awesome things. And he, and he welcomes us. And he says, please, bring your burdens to me. So let us do that. If you have a prayer request, write that down. And here in just a couple minutes, we're going to, uh, we're going to take our offering. And as we do, I invite you and encourage you to, to take this connection card and put it in the offering basket along with your tithes, with your gifts. And let this be a, 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 an offering of yourself to God. Before we do that, however, we always like to pray because you know what? God really is with us. As a church family, I'm not the only guy that gets to pray in the church, by the way. This is how great is that, right? We all get to talk to God. And we have an opportunity right now. We're going to spend a few minutes and we're going to just talk with God. Now, some things I think would be helpful to, to talk to him about. Clearly, uh, we need to talk to him about terror. Right? That's on the hearts and the minds of a lot of people, especially in our culture. And be looking for him and his comfort, his protection, his peace, but also his witness for us in this. I think we need, he says pray for our enemies. That's a great thing that we need to be doing. We also need to be praying for our community. You know, right now, Christmas time is a joyful, wonderful time, but it's also a time for a lot of people that's a very dark and a hard time. And we need to be praying for our own community. Not just that God will be with them, but that he will show us how we can be with our community in a more in a real and a tangible way. How can we serve those that are around us? How can we live in such a way in Estes Park during this Christmas season that shows our community God's true love for them?
those are some great things that we can be praying for. I invite you to that. If there's anything else that you have in your heart, you can either voice those or just pray them in your heart. But I ask you to please join me now as we, as we pray. Father God, we love you. And uh, we can love you, but it wouldn't mean much, Lord, um, if the first part wasn't true is that you first loved us. And that's why we can love you. Uh, there was a separation. We admit that was our fault. But that's not where you ended it. You weren't just content with just playing the blame game or just to say, give us the, the punishment that we deserved or even the separation that we deserved. But you came for us while we were still sinners. You called us out of darkness while we were still causing darkness. That you came to this world not because you had to or under any type of obligation, but because you love us. And Father, as we go through this, this Christmas season as a church in this community, Father, I pray that you would help turn our hearts back to you. I pray that the joy of, of Christmas, the truth of Christmas, that, that, that you, God, have come and that you are with us would invade every part of our heart and spirit, Father, to dispel the fear and the doubt and, and the pain of this world and remind us of the bigger truth that you have overcome this world, that you've overcome our sin, that you love us, not because of what we do, but because of who you are. And that will never change. And that you've called us to great and amazing things. Father, Thank you. Thank you for sending your son. And now, Lord, as we continue in prayer, Lord, for all the prayers that are spoken, even those that might be uttered in, in the, the private of our own hearts, Father, I thank you we know that you are with us and you hear them. We ask that you would answer them according to your glory and your wisdom and your power. Please hear our prayers.
with us. Uh, I get to bring the message today. I'm pretty excited about that. Before I do, um, some things I'd like for us to do. First, if you would look inside your bulletin, and in there you'll see this green connection card. And if you'd be filling it out for me, I would sure appreciate that. This is our second service, and just let us know you're here is a, is a real help for us, and um, we'd appreciate it. If you're our guest here this morning, uh, we want to say welcome. Thank you for joining us. It's great to have you. Uh, and you can just fill out whatever you feel comfortable filling out, um, and uh, we would just be grateful for that. Um, but if you are a guest, and if you would let us know how you heard about us, this on the bottom line said, how did you hear about CCEP? We would sure appreciate that information. It helps us know how we're effectively reaching our community, and, and so we appreciate that. Um, and if you are a guest, by the way, we do have a special gift for you because, well, everybody likes presents. And that's this. It's a case for Christmas by Lee Strobel, and you can pick up your own free copy of that uh, at the entry center right there, the welcome center right there in the front, and pick that up on the way out just to, with our compliments. All right, before we go any further, I'd like to have all of our kiddos up through fifth grade join me up here. We want to pray for you and send you out to our praise place. Um, they're getting ready for the Christmas pageant next week. So they'll be having a lot of fun for that. Hi. They love our kids. They're fantastic. All right, let's pray with, for them. Heavenly Father, we love these children. We know that you do too. We thank you for that they're here today. Lord, we pray as they go to the praise place that they'll have Tons of fun, and they'll have uh, help them be focused as they prepare for the uh, the Christmas pageant next week, Lord. But I pray they'd have a lot of fun at it too, and help them grow closer to you. We pray for the teachers as well. Give them the right heart and spirit, energy that they need to to shepherd these kids well. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. I want to head around back. Pastor James will will take you back to the praise place. Whoa! All right, all right, sweet. Oh, to be young. I would have been down. It's like you got to call in plan B or something. All right. Well, we do have a couple other announcements as they're heading out um, for you. The first is this, is our, our next Greeting You. This is our training for our greeters, one of the most important ministries in our church. Uh, um, and uh, if you would like uh, to, to be trained in our through our Greeting University, that's going to be next week. It's about 20 minutes. It's after our second service. It's a whole lot of fun. And... Um, and uh, we equip you and prepare you for, for that amazing ministry. So if you're interested in that, on your connection card, you can just put greeting you down, and we'll make sure we sign you up, have all your materials ready to go. Uh, and so that'll be next week, about 20 minutes after second service. So there's that. The next slide, this is not going to be a surprise for you since I mentioned it twice already, but just in case, here it is. Our uh, Christmas program for our children is next Sunday, right here, our children's program. So if you want to hear the second message in our sermon series, uh, okay, uh, that's going to be our first service. Second service, so we'll be having our, our kids program right here. And they're going to be presenting Christmas is Jesus. And they've been practicing it for a couple weeks, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So we encourage you to come next week uh, for that. It'll be a lot great. Also, I'll let you know, since it's Christmas time, we have a lot of extra things happening. The EMA, which is all the, the evangelical churches, all the churches that believe that we're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we trust in the Bible, all that. we're all coming together. We like to have a big community Christmas service because that's fun. That's going to be next Sunday as well, next Sunday night. It's going to be at Our Lady of the Mountains Catholic Church, and the lead pastors are going to be leading worship. So pray for us, but come and prepare to sing loud, so just drown us out, and it'll be a lot of fun. So we invite you to come to that. All right, and then this last is we have a, a, just a, a promotional video, a little promo um, introduction for an opportunity that we'll, we'll be presenting in January. So you know, watch the screens. Financial peace. We all want it. For a while, I didn't have it. 20 years ago, I hit rock bottom. I lost just about everything. I turned to God for help. 
and I learned how to handle money his way. As you can imagine, it worked. That's why I started Financial Peace University, because God's ways work. Whether you're in over your head or you're doing okay right now, if you bring home $10,000 or $10 million, if you're 21 or 61, we all need a plan. Millions of people have been through Financial Peace University. They have success stories of their own. They've learned how to get rid of debt, prepare for generations to come, and give like crazy. Your success story, your financial peace is up to you. Now is your time. It's time to take control of your money. It's time to get ready for what God has for you. It's time for financial peace. So we'll be offering our Financial Peace University. It's the second time we've done it. This will be starting in January, beginning of January, and it's incredible. If you've ever gone through one, uh, you'll, you know. If you've not had an opportunity yet, we really encourage you. It's just a great opportunity to take a look at what does God say about finances? How do we get them in line with spending his money, really, is what it is, according to his priorities, and we benefit from that. So it's a good thing. If you want more information or interested in signing up, a couple of things that can help you with. Inside your bulletins, there is a, a little pan, or short little thing there kind of talks about a little bit also on our website funchurch.com there's a link you'll see there's a button for it and you can click that and you can register or you can even go to the site and kind of find out more about it just a phenomenal thing so i encourage you to take advantage of that all right well um as you can see from the screen we have a whole new graphic up there which means we're in a whole new series because it's a whole new season in fact it's christmas season it's my second favorite time of the year it's awesome I, uh, my birthday is, is the best Jesus' birthday comes right up there, though. It's, it's awesome. And, uh, and so here we are. It's a great time, uh, all the, the fun things. They have the decorations and all the good food and the parties and the, and the music, and it's just a lot of fun. Well, all those things are great, but oftentimes in the midst of all those things, sometimes I think that we can allow tradition and all those things to kind of become so loud that maybe we forget the real joy behind the season. And, and sometimes... All of that other stuff, all that busyness can make us stressed out and can kind of take the fun away from the season. You know what we're going to do? We're going to spend these next couple of weeks, we're going to go back into God's Word. We're going to look at what is Christmas all about and, and why is it that, it's, that it brings us such joy? Why is it a time of year that's worth decorating our houses and singing songs and having special kinds of food for? Why is it so great? And so that's what we'll be starting on, and today uh, we'll be getting that message series. And of course, we always like to begin every message by, by infusing God's Word into our life and our heart. And we do that best by memorizing God's Word, and then we can meditate it throughout the week. And so today, we have a passage that comes to us from Isaiah chapter 7. Now, Isaiah wrote seven centuries before Jesus came. This is when this was penned. And it came at a time when Israel was being destroyed by a very vicious enemy. In fact, they had not only wiped out all these, these fortified cities around it, but now the armies of the enemies of God were now surrounding Jerusalem. And they were ready to assault and, and destroy God's people in entirety. 
It looked like for a moment when Isaiah wrote this that, that God's people were going to be decimated, that God's promises were going to end, that, that they, as the people of Israel looked out from their tower walls of Jerusalem, all they saw was an army of darkness. It just looked like the end had come and darkness had won. And in the midst of that, God sends the prophet Isaiah. And he sends him to the king. And he gives him a promise that God's going to deliver you. God keeps his promises. God has a plan for light to overcome darkness. And he's going to do it. And he says, but God wants you to know this. He wants you to have security in this. So ask God for a sign, anything, miraculous or whatever, and he'll show you. And that way you'll know. And the king was like, well, I couldn't do that. And the prophet was like, well, that was dumb. I just kind of like gave you like a blank check, right? You could do whatever. But because you chose not to, God's going to give you a sign. And here's going to be your sign. It says, Behold, the virgin will conceive. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And you know, within nine months, the city of Jerusalem was completely free. The kings, the armies that came against them were gone. But then seven centuries later, the full fulfillment of this came to earth. Behold, a virgin conceived and bore a son, and call him Emmanuel, God with us. How cool is that? So we get to memorize that today. What a great thing. So say it along with me. Here we go. Behold, the virgin will conceive. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah 7:14. All right. Let's say it again. Maybe I'll get it right this time. Here we go. Behold, the virgin will conceive. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isaiah 7.14. All right, here we go again. Behold, the virgin will conceive. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isaiah 7.14. All right, again. Behold, the virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isaiah 7.14. You ever sung the Messiah? You ever gone to the Handel's Messiah? This is super fun. It's where I met my wife. It's so great. They have a different translation. It messes me up. It's always in my head. So... So you can help me out with this one. All right, last time. Here we go. Behold, the virgin will conceive. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isaiah 7.14. Woo! All right, give yourself a high five. Woo! Yeah! All right. Now, what's going to happen is you may remember that right now because we just did it, but you'll probably forget like five minutes. And so we gave you, as in your bulletin, there's a memory verse card. You want to take that out right now, put your pocket wallet in the back side of your phone, whatever you're going to get to. And this is not just something to memorize, but let's think about it this week. God didn't come and, and, and secret. It says, behold, right? Look, he came, right? He wanted it to be known. And he did in a miraculous way. The virgin conceived, she bore his son. Like this, Jesus was, is not just a guy. There's something miraculous and incredible about it. And we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. What an incredible truth in this season. God is with us. And we're going to talk about that today. Why is that such incredible news? We'll talk about that old come portion of O come, let us adore him. Being, God being with us, the fact that we can even come to him is huge. 
You know, Christmas time is a busy time, and, and oftentimes I think that we celebrate everything but the greatest things. And it's so easy to do. And I think when that happens, then we, we lose the joy of the season. Right? And it's become something to do. It becomes something on our clock or our calendar. But there's something so much more rich than that. And I think to really go back and to receive the joy of Christmas, we have to, let's go back all the way to the beginning to, to see why it's such a good news. You see, in the beginning, God made us for relationship. That's why one of the reasons God made people. We were designed to have a relationship with God. I mean, he made everything, and he set people, and he said, take care of it for me. Now, we've done a really lousy job, but that's what he made us to do. And you know, before sin entered and all that, it said God would walk in the garden with Adam and Eve, and they would talk, and, and they had this fellowship. That's what we were hardwired for. We were designed for relationship with God. It's in our DNA. It's in our spiritual DNA. And... and we see that that's true even still. There is a longing in humanity for relationship with God. That, the evidence of that is how religious people are. That's why we're inherently religious. I mean, you could be North America, South America, you could be in Africa, you could be in Asia, you could be in the Middle East. It doesn't matter where you go. People are religious. Why? Because we know we were made for relationship with God. And we see that that is true. Unfortunately, we rebelled against God. There is a separation between us and the Almighty. And we know this. You don't have to go to to seminary to, to know this to be true. People intrinsically know that there's a separation between where we are and where God is. That's why there's so many different religions, right? Isn't that the heart behind every religion, getting people from where we are back to the divine? And we just know this is true. It's just, it's in us. But the problem with religion is that it doesn't really give us a good path back to God. It ends up being a lot of things that we do, hoping that maybe we might somehow bridge this gap, but we can't. We see that there is a gap. That is there. In fact, that prophet Isaiah, he said this. He reminds us and for the Holy Spirit. He says, this is your sins that have cut you off from God. It's because of your sins that God has turned away and will not listen anymore. I mean, the separation we feel from God is a very real separation. It's humanity. We know there's, there's a separation. That's why we do all these crazy things, all these religions and all these things that we try to go back from God. But the heart of it, the reason we're separated from God is not God's fault. It's our sin. We rebelled against God. I don't know if you read in the newspaper or if you, if there are still, are there still newspapers? Uh, somewhere. I saw it on the, on the, on the internet <laughs> through a news source. But somebody said, you know, they, somebody said, well, thoughts and prayers. And they said, you know, that God's not doing this. He's not fixing the problem. Well, God isn't the problem. We are. Okay. We're the problem. We sin. We do things that are awful. And it, it, it brings death and destruction and, and it brings all kinds of, of trouble in our life and our families and our worlds and our societies. People are the problem. And, and, and that problem, that sin that's in us, separates us from a holy God. Let's go back to that magnet thing that was so cool that, that Steve did for us. You ever you can stick magnets, if they're going the, the right polarity, they're, they're facing the right direction, boom, they snap together, just magic. Right? So you ever try to flip it around? What happens? 
they are repelling each other. It's repulsive. You can't stick them together. Even if you somehow have the might, boom, it still shoots out. You see that we have rebelled against God. We are going opposite his direction. We are repulsive to the Almighty. And that is not a popular thing. So Merry Christmas. (laughs) Right? But we know it's true. And you can't fix a problem if you don't know what the problem is. There's a problem. There is a separation between us and God. And we are the one that caused it. And so there's this great theological truth. that you can take that home. We are separated from God. But luckily, it's not where you have to stay. But we think we have to deal with it. Even other religions get this. They know that God is somehow different other. I mean, look at most religions have these sacred places that you're not allowed to go. Right? There are these spaces that you just can't enter, you can't go to, because those are holy places. And you're not holy, so you can't go there. Well, that wasn't new to them. They're just sensing with something that's, that's a universal truth. God is holy. He's different. He's other. He's perfect. And we are not. In fact, if we look back in the scriptures and we see um, Adam and Eve, after they sin in the garden, they, they decided we're going to play God and we're not going to follow you as God anymore. Right? We, we started that great rebellion. God kicked them out, and then he put this amazing thing between them and the garden. It was a flaming sword. I don't know if it looked like that, but I thought that was the coolest sword on the Internet. So that's pretty sweet, right? I don't know what it looked like, but there was a sword. And if there was a sword standing between you and a garden, you would stay out of the garden. And we humans did. And God put that sword there. We were no longer able to come back to God. He separated us. He made it very clear, put something very visual, very scary, that says you can't be here anymore. You're separate. And so we started east of Eden. You know, we go forward several thousand years, and we see that time didn't change this this separation. We see the people of Israel being set free from Egypt where they are in bondage to slavery just as God had foretold them they would be and he said he would come back and he brought the liver Moses and with Moses leads them out does this miraculous thing brings them through the Red Sea destroys the armies of Egypt all these things and you would say man God is really with these people and he was but he was still separate and he leads them to this mountain Mount Sinai where he gives them the law and he talks to them about this is the way you're going to do it. And he prepares them to enter the, the holy land, the, the promised land. He says, you're going to go back and do that. But even in this, when they were at a time of God's favor, God was on the mountain and they were not allowed on it. There are massive stones that they set up around the mountain, put warnings on it and said, don't cross this. If you cross it, even if an animal crosses this, it will die. You can't go there. And when God started to talk to the people from the mountain, even then they said, stop talking, you're freaking us out. We'll send Moses. <laughs> right? That's how it worked. Because we knew there's a separation. We knew we couldn't fellowship with the Almighty. But God wanted to be closer. And so he gave Moses a plan. And he said, here, build me a tent. I'm going to camp out amongst my people. I'm going to be right in the dead center of it. And they built this tent called Tabernacle. It was huge, but even in the tabernacle, you'll notice there was a mighty big gate around the outside. If you're on the outside of that, you couldn't even look to the inside. And you couldn't, you weren't welcome to be on the inside unless you came with the right kind of offerings at the right time. And even then, you were only allowed inside the outer gate unless you were the right kind of priest. And then you might get to go into the inside, the first room on the inside, and you could do some ministry there. But that wasn't where God was resting. 
No, no. And if you wanted to go back further, you had to, you had to be not just a priest. You had to be from the right lineage of priests. You had to be from the, the lineage of the, the first priest, Aaron, right? And then you could go back into that holy space, and you could minister there. But even that's not where God was. Because at the back of that was a very thick veil. Thick. And God was in the back, the furthest back room, the Holy of Holies. Not even light would penetrate into there. And only one man, the high priest, once a year could go in there. And only for a very brief time if he brought blood for the intercession of all people, for his people. You think that, that there was a separation between people and God. The people of Israel could look and they could say, God is with us, but we're not with him. We can't, we can't go to him. I can't just walk into the Holy of Holies. In fact, if the high priest just walked in the Holy of Holies and he didn't do it in the right way, he'd die. And so they tied a little rope around his ankle so they could drag him out. I kid you not. That's holy. You know, after the people of Israel got to the promised land, and, and, and King David, this is quite a few years later, King David's sitting there and he looks out his, his palace window and he sees God's tabernacle and he says, it's not fair, that it's not right that God would be in a tent while I have a nice palace. We're going to build him a nice, a nice huge temple. And God said, you can't build a temple for me because you're a man of war. But he allowed his son, Solomon, to build a temple. And so God had this permanent fixture amongst his people in the center of Jerusalem. But even then, there was a holy place that only the right kind of priest could go. And even there, there was a room behind it, the most holy place, that had a huge, woven, it was a, a curtain that was thick, heavy, that separated God and his holiness from his people. And only one man, once a year, the high priest, could go in and only with blood. And when you look at the, temp, the temple, the people of Israel could look and say, well, God is with us, but we sure we can't go to him. We, we can't go to God. I mean, we can come to him with sacrifices and things, but there was a separation. You know, it wasn't just in this world that there was a separation between people and God. In fact, God allowed certain prophets to have visions, be able to see heaven and to see where it was like up there. And their descriptions of God's throne room are amazing, jaw-dropping, I mean, just mind-blowing stuff. And what they, they talk about in there, that you see that the God is, is separate. There's a sea around him that's like crystal clear, like glass, right? Nothing, nothing moves it. Nothing disturbs it. He is inapproachable. He even talks like an approachable life. You can't get to him. Even in the heavens, even in the heavens, the angels that minister to him cover their eyes and and. Fly so they don't touch their feet on the ground that is holy around this God. He is a holy God. He is amazing. We cannot approach in you in heaven. The angels say they're with God, but even they couldn't approach God. You see, as people, we were designed for relationship with God and we were doubly separated. We are separated because of God's holiness and His, His power and His majesty. And we are separated because of our depravity. Well, what can we possibly do? Well, we do all kinds of crazy things, don't we? We sign up for all these different religions. We try to do all the right things in all the right ways, hoping that somehow we can appease this God, that we can earn a right to go into that, to that kind of presence. It ain't going to work. 
We, we think to ourselves, you know, I've committed crimes against God. I violated his laws. But now if I keep his laws good enough, somehow he'll forget the fact that I'm already a lawbreaker. And then he'll let me have access. Well, God's got a really good memory. And he's very just. And he's not going to sweep things under the carpet. Not only that, we sometimes we try to bribe God, don't we? I'll, if you do this, God, if you come close to me, I'll give you everything. Everything I have, I'll give it to the poor, I'll do it away, I'll, I'll just give to you and I'll serve, I'll sacrifice my life, I'll do all those things. God, so, so that way I'll give you enough and, I'll, and then, then you'll like me, right? Then you'll be close enough to me and then we can be together. That's what religion teaches us to do oftentimes, right? To do all these, these meaningless things or hard things and sometimes we, we even do good works. And we do all these things. We spend lots of our life and a lot of our energy trying to gain access back to God. But the problem is our sins of what separated us from Him. And He's way more holy. We are not able to come to God. That's a sobering, awful, hard reality, isn't it? That, that you and me can't Come to God. Not on our own. And so when the world was in darkness, in the midst of our depravity, in the darkness of our depravity, you want to see how depraved people are? Turn on the news. Right? Look at how we treat one another. Look at how we just turn a, a blind eye to those that are suffering and are hurting. How we'll just, we just we perpetuate hate and, and, and destruction. Uh, people, we do a really lousy job running this planet. We can't come to God. In the midst of all of this, we see that God did something amazing then. We couldn't come to God, so God came to us. That's amazing. That's what Christmas is all about. Isn't it? We see that verse, Behold, the virgin will conceive and will bear a son. Even that's miraculous. But this is the biggest part. And we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. What we could never do on our own, God did. He came to this earth in the, in the form of a person. As a person. And we read in Luke 2, which is a great description, a, 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 a telling of, of what happened at that first Christmas. How did God come to earth? We find it wasn't in great splendor or anything like that. There was this peasant girl, and she's pure, and she becomes pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And it makes no sense. Nobody's going to believe her or anything like this. And then there's this, the government does its government things and says, we want to count you and tax you, so you have to go a long way, even if you're pregnant, because that's the way it works. And they had to go a long way, and they go to this city, of Bethlehem, her and her husband. And even when they get there, was there a space? No. The hotel was full. So they stayed out in the barn. And it was there that God entered humanity. Behold, the virgin conceived and bore a son, and that was God with us. In fact, in Luke 2, we read even further, it says that night, that very night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding the flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. No, duh. Right? 
But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. God didn't just come. He came in humility. And he didn't just come and say, I'm separate. He sent his angels. And we think angel, what no, host means? Host means an army. And God sent his army who would in heaven would have protected God's throne and said, stay out. And he brings that army to earth. And he doesn't just bring it to the priests and the holy people. He brings it to even to the shepherds out in the fields. And he brings that army to say, come on. In fact, that army of angels who came down and they didn't just say, all right, you can go. They started praising God. Can you imagine? We don't think of like the Marines standing up and just start singing to things, right? But these angels are so like, this is a big deal. They should normally be like, get away, you sinful people, you rebels. Instead, God sent them and he said, go. He's in Bethlehem and these angels start praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace be on earth to all people on whom God's favor rests. And then we read in that passage, that very same passage, it says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that happened with the Lord told us about and the shepherds came and the wise men came and kings came and slaves came and fishermen came and carpenters came and men came and women came and old people came and young people came and and priests came and and notorious sinners like you and me came and they've been coming for years for thousands of years the invitation to come back to God. What an amazing thing. You know, Christmas, Christmas is, is about God coming to us. That's why it's so amazing. That's why we have such joy. And therefore, Christmas, the best way to celebrate Christmas is to come back to God. That is the greatest celebration we possibly can have. I say this. Let's come to him this season. Let's adore him. The shepherds came. The wise men came. The question is, will you? As we wrap this portion of the service up and we talk about you know, the, the message, how do you come to God? Maybe you're saying, I want to do that. How do I do it? I have some ideas because I would hate to leave you without any. Right? What do we do as a church? How do we come back to God this season? How do we begin to celebrate the, the root of Christmas? So all these other things that we do by putting up the trees and singing the songs and having the good food and, and all those things that the joy doesn't depart from us. How do we start with, with the very beginning? How do we make that our core? Well, here's some thoughts. Here on the back of your, your connection card, one of those things you might want to do is you commit to memorizing. Don't, you can memorize Isaiah 63, which is also a very great passage, by the way. So you can do that too. But Isaiah 714, that's what I would... You can memorize Isaiah 714. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. She give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. Maybe what you begin with is in the, the hustle and bustle of the season. 
you take a step back, when everything becomes stressful or, or it just becomes difficult, you begin thinking about, oh, this is going to cost so much or, or I don't have time for doing what I really want to do or I have to see those relatives again, right? In the midst of all of that, you can stop and you can remember, wait, God is with us. I'm not alone. God is here. Well, maybe in this season, as we turn on the news and we see the darkness and the death and the terror and the destruction and the hopelessness and the pain and the suffering and the darkness in this world, we can remember in the midst of this, darkness didn't win. Right? The light of the world has come. There is hope. God's power is not, he's not far off. He's here with us today. Maybe this is the passage that you need to begin to think about and meditate on and start to practice in your daily life. Let it give you that peace and that strength to be able to live our faith out with power. Maybe that's what you begin to do this week. Or how about this? What about this Christmas season? What if you say, you know what, we're going to re- read the Christmas story together as a family. It's in Luke 2. Maybe you say, you know what, that's what we're going to do. Let's go back and see how God actually entered humanity. Let's read that story. Let's see what it was like. Let's start there. And to begin to focus and, and refocus and recenter back onto to what it's all about. Maybe that's where you begin. Or how about this? Maybe what you need to do this morning is come to God. Maybe you've never made a, a commitment to, to, to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're still separated. You're still in this world. God is with us and with you. He's very much here. But maybe it's more of the, the Sinai experience or the tabernacle experience. You've never had fellowship with God. Because he says the way that we do that is, is having a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And you think back in your life and there's never been a time where you've made that commitment, that confession, say, I'm going to follow Jesus as my Lord and my Savior for my life. I'm going to accept His forgiveness. I'm going to have unity with God through Him. If you've never done that, this is the best way to celebrate Christmas. It's to actually receive the gift that God gave us. And if you're interested in doing that, there's this thing that says, come to Jesus. That's a a connection. Or even on the other side, starting a relationship with Jesus. Either one of those. Um, If you are interested in that, let me know. And obviously, please print so I can contact you this week, because it's not a sales pitch. This is an opportunity. It's an offer to reunite with God. And I'm sure you have got questions. And I want us to take the time to talk with you and explain what does it mean and, and how, how do we follow Jesus and what does that look like and help you make those steps and to answer any questions that you might have. So if you need to make that step or you have those questions, make sure that that's an amazing commitment. That's a commitment that will ring for eternity. But maybe you already are walking with Jesus. Maybe the Holy Spirit's already with you. you. You have fellowship with him, but you're like every Christian that has ever lived. You're not fully sanctified. And maybe there are things in your life right now you know you've been wandering from God. You've been picking things instead of him. And you know, I just have these, these, these things of the flesh that are so strong and it just keeps driving me back in. Well, maybe what you need to do is you say, you know what, I'm going to come back to God. Just like those shepherds. To remember that this season, and you don't have to do this just at Christmas, but what a great reminder that this season that God loves you. He didn't wait for the world to become righteous to come. He didn't wait for there to be room in the inn for him to come. He came even when we deserved it least. And he invites us for fellowship still. 
And maybe that's what you need to do is say in the midst of my brokenness or I've been sinning, I've been walking away from him, I've been rejecting him. But at this time, maybe you say, you know what? I need, I need, I need to come back to Jesus. I, I need to repent. It doesn't just mean feel bad for what I've done, but to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask for God's help and try to lay those things aside so I can embrace what God has for me in my life more. So I can become more like him. So I can have a deeper and a better walk and relationship with him. And if you would like some help with that, let me know. You can even just write on the bottom there. I'd like some help with coming back to that. Or even just let me know and I will be, I'll be there. You're not alone. You know, maybe what you need is maybe it's a different commitment. Maybe something that uh, I didn't mention. It's probably likely. Maybe the Holy Spirit is, is in your heart right now saying, this is what I want you to do. Let us know what God is calling you to do this week. How he wants you to respond to his invitation. Let us join you, support you, and pray for you. It's one of the things we like to do as a church. Or maybe just have a straight-up prayer request. Something difficult happening in your life. Somewhere that you, just the presence and the power of God would make a big difference. Having that kind of hope would make all the difference in the world for you. Maybe that's what you need. Let us pray with you as a church. It's one of the great things. that God isn't just with us in a tabernacle. He's with us here. And he says, bring to me your burdens. So let us do that with you. So if you have a prayer request, please write that. Know that we will be joining you in prayer all week. And it's one of the great ways that we love to serve you. Here in a couple minutes, uh, we're going to take our offering. And as we take our offering, I invite you, please take this connection card and put it in the offering basket as it's passed by you, along with your tithes and your offerings and your gifts. Uh, make this an offering of yourself back to God. You know, before you do that, however, we always like to take a time and actually talk to God. I mean, that's one of the great privileges that we have, right? At the Christmas time, one of the great cool things is have that we don't just to, we don't have to go to a temple in some foreign city. We can talk to God right here because He's with us. And so we're going to take some time uh, and we're going to pray together. And if you have something in your heart, you're welcome to voice that. If you have something you just want to pray silent in your heart, God hears those things too. He's brilliant. We're going to have some time to pray together. Some things that I think that as a, as a church and the community that we can be praying for, I think the first thing that we need to be praying for is, is are the people around the world that are suffering. <laughs> From the refugees also to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are facing persecution. All over, uh, we think about those. We uh, enjoy a relative amount of peace and security and, and provision, and, and we need to be lifting them in prayer and asking God what is our role in this? How do we help? We need to be praying for that. We need to be praying for our leaders. Some of our leaders are, are, are followers of Christ and they need wisdom and the support. Others are not and they don't have the benefit of the Holy Spirit giving him that. So we need to be praying for them that God will give them good wisdom and guidance to know what to do. We need to support them that way. But you know, taking it closer to home, Christmas is a happy time of year for, for many, but it's a very difficult time for a lot of others as well. And, and there's a spirit in, in our community that a lot of folks who don't, know Jesus. And there's a lot of people that even who do that this time of year can feel very lonely, very oppressive, very hard. We need to be lifting our neighbors up in prayer, praying that God will show them that he is with them and that they are not alone. But I think we also need to take that next step and pray, God, how do we serve them? How can we be his light in this community? How can we show his love to those that live around us? That's a great thing to pray for as well. So let's lift those to him in prayer along with anything else that you might have on your heart. Please join me as we pray. Father God, we love you. 
we, we love you, it says in Scripture, and this is so true, is because you first loved us. Because the reality is, Father, I look at my own life, and, and I think about those that I know, and, and our first instinct would be to, be to love ourselves and, uh, and to be very uh, self-centered in this and, and love you just because of what you can do for us or, or whatever. But, Father, we see that you loved us when we had nothing to offer you. And you came to earth when we really didn't deserve it at all. In fact, it says your motivation for coming and not destroying us is that you so loved the world that you gave your only son. That whoever would believe in you would not perish, but have eternal life. And Father, you showed us what true love is. Jesus showed us real love in the way he lived in this life on earth. How he cared for the outcast. Father, how he stood up for the oppressed how he spoke with tenderness and kindness with those who were broken. And how he stood up to the wrong ideas and the self-righteousness that keep us in bondage to religion and sin. You love us so deeply, but then you didn't just leave us alone. You sent the Holy Spirit to, to live within us, not just as a seal of our redemption and your work, but Father, also Lord, you gave us the Holy Spirit to help us to help us overcome the sin inside of our own souls. Not just for forgiveness' sake, which you took care of on the cross, but for sanctification's sake, to make us more righteous in our, in our character, in our life, to change us back into the people you designed us and called us to be ever since we were created. And in the midst of all this, you didn't even just leave us alone. You said for your children, you will take care of all of our needs, and you do. You care for us every day and you forgive us all the time. And then you've given us the dignity to be able to come back and to serve you. To bear your name, to be your witnesses and your, and your ambassadors in this world and even in our hometown. And if that wasn't enough, you've given us access to yourself, even your holy throne. More it tells us in your word that we can approach you boldly, even in your throne room walk right up to you, call you daddy and to serve you and to love you. Father, we do love you. This Christmas season, I pray, Lord, as a church, help us as your family here in Estes Park to welcome you. Help us to, to accept that great invitation. Help us to come back to you and now, Father, I pray that, uh, that you would continue to hear our prayers. Uh, those that are bespoken and those that are, are spoken only in the quiet of our hearts. Father, we're so grateful for you and that you do hear us and that you're with us.